Hola y bienvenidos a la Diligazo. Soy Enrique Byrnes y presidente de Mejor Cerveza. No abate Porno Filter Network. Miguelito San Diego, a.k.a. Bobby Barrels, a.k.a. Bobby Ball. Not with us today, but dead or alive, job or no job, we properly salute our boy. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. Remember this, folks. When we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. A very pleasant good morning to you on this Monday, October the 2nd, 2023. Of course, we are sponsored by 818 Tequila. That's right, the Ocho. I mean, look at this bottle. That's all you need to see. One of the coolest bottles of tequila I've ever seen. So go ahead and pick yourself up some of the good shit right here. The other title sponsor here, and I'm not quite sure if we got the banner up today, but I think it should be right around there if we do. If we don't, I'm just pointing towards the sky. But it's KTT. That's right. We got the skin prep wipes. We also have the pro oxygen tape. This is a really good stuff that you put on and it promotes blood flow and oxygen to the area that may be inflamed. It's very simple science, folks. It increases blood flow. It decreases inflammation and it promotes recovery. And we also have the Blister prevention. That's right. For those who like to hit the trails, the road, doesn't matter. Anyone getting after it, pushing their feet beyond limits will experience some sort of blistering. Just ask my dogs. And, of course, the Chafe Safe. Don't forget about your package ever. Anti-chafing wipes. This is maximum chafing protection, fast application, sweat and water resistant. Go ahead and hit the QR code if it is up there. And get yourself some KT tape. All right. Want to? No, well, I don't want to. I'd prefer not to have to even have brought this up. But on a sad note, this morning uh, we lost one of our brothers, and uh, it, it's tough. Uh, Tim Wakefield, who a longtime big leaguer knuckleballer, really, really, um, but beyond the, even talking about him as a person yet. Just an unbelievable pitcher. What he was able to do, I saw his war was somewhere about 40. So to think that he you know, took the legacy of the Negroes and was one of the better pitchers in baseball for an extended period of time. And there's something about being in that fraternity of Major League Baseball that obviously connects everybody. And I think we all go through uh, this journey to get there. And then once we're there, we go through experiences that only those who were there could understand or those who went through something similar could really even comprehend. And then we also all go through the... Call it the exit of Major League Baseball, where 
we transition into the next phase of our life. And no matter what happened on the field, and this is at least what I've experienced with just about every former Major League Baseball player that I've come across, none of it really matters because the only thing that we really do is we laugh, we smile, we look back. And we definitely had some awesome competitions on the field with Tim Wakefield. Specifically, I remember some in the playoffs when he was pitching for the Boston Red Sox and I was playing with the A's. But there's this common bond and link that brings everybody together. And I know this sounds really quirky, but for the past few years, Tim Wakefield and I would go back and forth on Instagram. And it'd be something as small as talking about the snow that had fallen in Tahoe or exercise or broadcasting, which was the most recent communication. I went back and looked last night was the two of us talking about broadcasting games from the green monster where Tim Wakefield did just recently. And I was saying that you guys should do that every fucking night. Like what a cool experience that would be. And he's like, yeah, I know, man. He's like, it was so awesome. Well, obviously life is fleeting because here I was just a month ago having this communication with him. And then I woke up yesterday and I found out he was dead. And it was like, wait, what? So look, we come on here each and every single morning. And I'd like to think of ourselves as a life optimization podcast. We try to figure out what we can do, all of us. And I think it's probably why I focus more on the life optimization. And of course, we talk sports and whether it's football or baseball and you know, crazy weekend of college football and then the NFL and Major League Baseball and everything else. But (laughs) at the end of the day, to be totally fucking transparent with you guys, none of that shit really matters. It's fun. It keeps us entertained, whatever. But I think that figuring out how we can optimize our lives in our short time here is the most important thing. And it is sad to think that we're not going to be here forever, but it's also, I think in a lot of ways, liberating. And most importantly, it teaches all of us to do everything we can do to leave this world better than we found it. And when you talk to those who are close to Tim Wakefield, specifically Kevin Millard, good buddy of mine, mutual friend, super tight with Tim. And those are the type of, when you hear the stories of, of who he was as a person and the generosity and just a heartfelt nature, the authenticity, those are all things that I think all of us could hope that somebody would say speak of when we are gone because no matter what none of us are getting out of here alive and so on that note make each day our masterpiece 
make each day and live each day as if it literally could be your last. Not necessarily to the extent where it's, yo, today's my last day. I would go do this, 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 and this and blow all my money and head to Vegas and I don't know, hookers and blow. And like, just not just obviously that's a little over the top here as we talk about a very serious issue, but it's not as if we're going to live in the selfish way. It's as if today could be that last day. And what would you do with that day? That's an exercise we've done before on the daily hustle where if you had 72 hours to live, 72 hours, what would you do in those 72 hours? Something to pause and reflect upon. Now, I did script out my 72 hours, all 72 of them a couple of years ago. And yeah, I did involve private jets and maybe a little Vegas and uh, some definite uh, epic runs and mountain climbs and jumping out of an airplane and ended with dropping into a monster wave at Mavericks. But those are all things that are experiences. And I remind each and every one of us to continue to chase those experiences because tomorrow's not guaranteed. And I think so often we're always trying to push this off to this or push this off to that. No, 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 no. Chill. Come into the moment. Feel the air pass through your nostrils. This is the only time we have. That is it. So, double sky point to Tim. And thoughts, prayers, love to his family, his friends, and everybody else. He definitely will be missed. All right, the quote of the day. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. Hunter S. Thompson. If you don't know who this guy is, just I I can't even start to describe Hunter S. Thompson. But this dude was an absolute trip. Think about what the quote means in the hustle translation. Invest in experiences. Simple as that. The what the fuck fact of the day. Nutmeg is a hallucinogen. Can I can I say that word again? Hallucinogen. There you go. Uh, The spice contains myristicin. I think this once is enough with that word. A natural compound that has mind altering effects if ingested in large doses. So as we get into the fall season, this is when the nutmeg usually comes out i love nutmeg oh the best so i might be adding a little extra if i want to go for a little bit of a different ride the riddle of the day the more you take the more you leave behind what am i footsteps ah yeah look and remember that too because I think this does all tie in together when it comes to chasing those experiences and taking those steps. When we're taking steps and we're walking in faith and we're walking uh, 
path and living a path that is worthwhile and is done under the concept of leaving it better than we found it, what are we leaving in those footsteps? Are they empty footsteps? Are are we literally leaving it worse? Or are those footsteps footsteps that spread love, joy, experiences, all of it? So when we walk our path, think about how we can potentially leave footsteps that make this world a better place. Again, that was the riddle of the day. The more you take, the more you leave behind. Life optimization, parenting tips from sons of ex-big leaguers. Let's get into this article. It's long. I, I It could be one that we go back to, but I loved it. And I was wondering when I read this, where this was going to go, because of all that I have experienced with parents and big leaguers and their sons, it there's a different dynamic that unless you say are a former big leaguer, have been around a former big leaguer, or are the son of a former big leaguer, you just don't get. And I was wondering if this guy was going to fuck this article up. And shockingly, he didn't. Parenting tips from sons of XMLB players, baseball and sports is the least important thing. In most cases, they're relatively unknowns, men whose identities are buried beneath those of their famous fathers. They're also a privileged few whose playgrounds were fields of big league ballparks or the tunnels beneath them. Their playmates were the kids of other major leaguers, like their dads or, in some cases, other major leaguers themselves. They are the sons of baseball whose stories author Mark Braff brings out in a detailed book under that title. It's one Braff, Braff, it's one Braff didn't expect. I keep saying Braff and I want to say Banff. I don't know. It just looks like it. B-R-A-F-F is one he didn't expect. Quote, I had a working title in mind. Limelight and Shadows. He tells USA Today Sports, which sounds maybe overly dramatic, but those were the kinds of stories I thought I was going to hear. I thought I was going to hear tales of woe about, oh, I could never live up to my father. But one takeaway that I got from it was that I found the fathers, the ballplayers themselves, not only did they not push their sons into baseball, but in many cases, they actually somewhat discouraged it. This was a world of sports fathers and their kids we can only dream about, but it's also one in which your dad is away from home for months. He isn't around a lot of the time to play catch, something you and your son or daughter might do regularly. Regular, regularly. English here. Uh, that's what you have brothers for, Yogi Berra would tell his son, Larry. But... When he was home in the offseason, Yogi went to every single one of his three sons' games, whether it was to see them play football, soccer, basketball, or hockey. My mom always told me I would never had I would have never had to work a day in my life if I wanted to travel 
in the winter and do things. Larry Barra told USA Today Sports in a separate interview. He wanted to be home with us because he was gone all the time. You know Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr., Prince Fielder, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Cody Bellinger. What about Larry Barra, Kevin Maris, Larry Doby Jr., Andy Hargrove, and John W. Powell Jr.? This lesser-known group of sons of former major league players, in many cases, star major leaguers, don't often get a chance to share their stories of their childhoods. Larry Barra, who sat on Marilyn Monroe's lap as a toddler and threw batting practice to big leaguers when he was older, and a number of those of the 18 sons Braff interviewed wouldn't trade their life experiences for anything, even though it all meant less time with that. The time spent with him was just more precious and impactful. Now grown men and many of them dads themselves they have a unique view on sports that can benefit other parents and their kids. Here are 10 lessons about parenting our own athletes we can learn from them. So <clears throat> this is good because I was really curious to see what angle and approach that Braff here would be taking. And I suspected that it would be the limelight in the shadow and I can't live up to my father's name and if you've ever been around any big leaguers or any big leaders with kids who you know even are, are growing now it just very rarely is ever the case because I think that when you go through the experience as a father and as a player you live it. And once you live it, you understand how awesome that it was. And I do, whether I wish it for all three of my kids, if this was something that they wanted to pursue. But I also know the grind and what it took to get to play 11 seasons at the big league level. Now, this is something that ultimately, and I tell the parents of our let them play travel ball team all the time, eventually this isn't up to us. It's going to be up to them. We can help get them in a position to play high school baseball. That's about it. Beyond that, in order to be great, you have to be obsessed. And if you're not obsessed, you're not going to be great. So at some point you will fizzle out, whether it's little league, high school, college, or pro ball. But going through that experience and climbing those levels and knowing what it took as far as from a work perspective, this isn't something that I would look at any of my kids, whether these are the kids that I coach or the kids that live in my house, I wouldn't say this is the path you have to take or this is the expectations that I have for you. I would simply say that, look, I'm here to support the journey. Whatever journey that you want to go on, we're here for you. And whatever I can do to help facilitate that, I'm all in. But I would also 
encourage my kids to, to find a path of something that they're passionate about and then charge down that path. Now, does it mean as kids that they have to go all in at 12, 13, 14 years old? No. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even encourage it. I'd encourage it the opposite. So say, for example, for a baseball player, I don't think it's healthy to just play baseball. Not at this age. I just don't. I think there's burnout. I think eventually it'll come, you know, back to, I don't know, haunt, but to play the other sports, all of this, all these things can be done under the pretense of how is this going to make me a better baseball player? So I was obsessed. No doubt about it. When I was nine years old, I knew I wanted to play in the fucking big leagues. And so everything that I did from there on out was how is this going to make me a better baseball player? I could be playing tennis. I'd be thinking about how is this making me better at baseball? Golf, same way. Hoops, same way. Football, same way. I played basically all the way through high school. Tennis, football, baseball. Hoops, I stopped in the eighth grade. I scored 56 points in eighth grade basketball game. Figured I can't do much better than that and then hung them up. I am serious. Told the story to John Donati yesterday. It's fucking fantastic. So my point with all of this is that that's going to be up to them, right? But the more you push them towards something, and I see it all the time. Just notice the parents who are the ones that are the psycho fucking parents are typically the ones that just never made it. Whether it was division one college baseball was their goal. Well, guess what? They play JC ball or it was pro ball was their goal. And they just, they fizzled out in college. I don't know where that level is. College was their goal. And they never made it out of high school. High school was their goal. They never made it out of Lily. So what happens is that parents Try to live vicariously through their kids. Well, the reason why you don't see that happen with big leaguers is because they've already lived their dream. And they know what it is to support, say, the dream of their kids. And I think they have a better clue on how to do that than anybody else because they've already lived that journey and it's a huge benefit now our sons of former major leaguers uh, you could you know, argue with say more talented I, don't know. I mean you look at Biggio's kid and Bichette's kid and Vladdy's kid they're all the same fucking team like this isn't coincidence right they obviously have good genes but most importantly I guarantee you there's a lot of kids that are more talented than the three I just mentioned. Those are three pretty talented kids. But the thing is, is that those kids were groomed to be big leaders. Those kids were given every opportunity to walk that path and have go on that journey. And they had fathers and parents and family, and it's not just the fathers either. Remember this, there's so many other dynamics. There's the mother, the brothers, the sisters, the grandparents that all know, say, what it took. So as you continue to watch these kids, and we saw Jackson Holiday the other night. Gosh, damn, he looks good, man. Uh, he, is, he is a player. So He made a play at shortstop that was just like, 
So smooth. Popped up a couple times and even looked good doing that. But Matt Holiday is one of the most humble big leaders that I've ever been around. A guy that just got it. And so to have Matt be there to support Jackson's ride, it's, it's fucking everything, man. It really is. All right. So here are the 10 lessons. Number one, famous dads yearn to be regular dads like us. And this is a great point. There was like literally examples of Roger Maris and his kids walking around the streets of New York City in Roger Maris's prime. And he's dressed up as a sailor. I mean, imagine that just so people wouldn't recognize him. Remember, dads, when you're living that bigly life and you feel like the spotlight's on you all the time, you cherish the moments when that spotlight's not on. You cherish the moments where you can just be a normal dad. Like, I go to these games, and I guess I feel like I've got a pretty good balance of it now, but if I'm going to coach the LTP team, I don't even, whether it was playing Major League Baseball, now it's more Savannah Banana stuff where I have kids come up to me, hey, you're the coach of the Bananas. Yeah, cool, cool, whatever. I And I, as respectful as I am all the time, I like to think, yeah, I just want to coach. I want to be a dad. I want to coach. I would like, those are, that's what matters to me. So yes, like these dads do want to just be regular dads. Number two, kids yearn to spend time with their dads or moms, no matter who you are. And it's so true. Just because say they're a famous father or famous mother, that, that doesn't matter. Look, you know, the feeling of just wanting to be with mom or dad. And I think the one thing you can learn as a parent is be there be there for them when they need you. I, a couple of years ago, I think we we're going through the whole pandemic thing. And I had a, a lot going on, whether it was writing a book or you know, getting rolling with the Daily Hustle podcast. Uh, just in an MLB, I, I made it a point where I wanted to never say no to my kids when they asked me to do something. So when they asked me to play, say, for example, daddy, let's go out. You throw me batting practice. Yes. Hey, uh, daddy, let's go hit the volleyball. Yes. Hey, can we go down to the perk, go down to the park, whatever. Yes. And sometimes it wasn't immediate. And right then, obviously, because we all have our lives that we're living and everything else. but. The answer to everything was yes. And if we can always, even if we have to say, put a little delay on it, like yes, in 20 minutes, when I get done with the daily hustle, I'll be there. So that's a good uh, little lesson to put in your back pocket and continue to try to adhere to. Number three, major leaguers don't necessarily discuss the game on the drive to and from it. Maybe you shouldn't either. So true. So I could think about going to the ballpark and some of my last year's playing and I would get into the 1984 CJ seven that is in my garage downstairs, the black beauty. And I would put on a playlist that I had dialed in on my phone and I just check out 
and it'd be the wind flowing through there. That it felt like a fucking blow dryer. So I was in Arizona, but that was my time to just be in the moment and just feel it. And instead of grinding over, Hey, you're going to do this, this, and this, this is that. And then the same sort of thing after the game, I didn't want to talk about it. I, I was going to have enough time to reflect upon it. I was somebody that was so into my craft that oftentimes I'd beat myself up over it. But once I, I sort of made it the rule. Once I got in my car to go home, I was going to leave it at the ballpark. And then as soon as I got back to the ballpark, hey, we're back all business. But here we are as parents, like on the way to the park, it's like, hey, little Johnny, make sure to keep the back elbow up. And this and they were trying to give us a bullshit advice. Like, come on. It's okay to give your kids a couple nuggets and they get out the car, whatever. Uh, but for the most part, don't grind them. All it's going to do is make them turn the other way. Number four, most major league dads don't push their sons into the sport. Maybe you shouldn't either. Never push. It'll never work. I've tried it. Mm. Not with the sport of baseball at all, but I'm really big on having the kids exercise every morning. And so this started during COVID when they weren't going to school and I decided I was going to become their PE teacher. So for a while we had it rolling. We had the whole daily hustle. It's like run one mile, 50 push-ups, 50 sit-ups, box jumps, like all these things. It's, it's literally written on my wooden board that I put on IG almost every single morning. And I noticed, and this is, you know, say we're three years later now, that the only time... I really see the kids say doing it, and they do. They do. Not every day, but they do. Uh, it's when I'm not bringing it up. So when I bring it up, and I still, especially with Callie and Colton, because they don't go to school. They're well, they do go to school. But they go to school online. And don't get me wrong, they all, both of them have their activities with Callie and the horseback ride and the skiing, or Colton with baseball, football, basketball. These goes to dynamic training they do all these all these things but it's when i don't ask him to do it is when he wants to do it so instead of like yo dude we got a tournament in arizona next weekend let's go out and play catch which would be a natural thing a father or coach would want to say it's a sort of way i'll mention a tournament and then hey daddy can we go play catch done i like that's that's where you want to get them to. You could give little nudges without pushing because as soon as you push, it's fucking over. Number five, you can always make time to spend with your kids. That's the truth. And I, I love it because we always say that we don't have time. And we talked about this last week. It could be with exercise or whatever else. Like, no, nah, I don't have time. No, nah, I don't have time. Fuck that. You do have time. And if you literally don't think you have any extra minutes, get up earlier. Simple as that. Make time. Include them in certain things that you maybe would not have thought of. So, for example, when I was working at MLB, look, if it came down to it, I'd take my kids to work. I would. And they loved it. They go to Studio 42. They play. They do this. They do that. Whatever. Well. 
It's the same thing with just living every single day. Find that time. Make that time. Be inclusive. Think about activities that families can do together. That, in my opinion, is the most important thing. There's nothing better than shared experience. Number six, embrace what your kid likes to do, even if it's not sports. So horseback riding is obviously a sport. But it's not something that I'm into. I rode horses when I was a kid a little bit, grew up in Woodside, so it's kind of this horseback riding town, but I'm not super into horses. My girls are. They absolutely love it. And so even though I may not, quote unquote, love it, or this might not be something that becomes this crazy passion of mine, I still have to embrace it, need to embrace it. And then find the little qualities in the good, like for whatever reason, I've become obsessed with the animals at the farm, whether it's the alpacas or the goats. I just, I'm fascinated by these mini donkeys that are running around. So find something within what they do that you could actually enjoy as well. Number seven, if you haven't connected with your kid yet, it's not too late. So I think for this one, we just go through phases. And I could say this, I've dealt with this with Chloe, where for the first six years of her life, I like to think I was it. And there was this crazy, crazy connection between the two of us. She'd sleep underneath my arm every single night. And then we hit that six to say 12 years where it was a little bit more distant and she started to become her own person and walk her own path and everything else. These are the years that I, I call the formative years in the upcoming let them playbook. But with those formative years, they shape themselves and we help shape them into the person that they're eventually going to be. And then I think now in the first couple of years of these tween years and, you know, early teen years, I've noticed that the connection might not always be there. And I think it's okay to not force a connection. And I, in doing that, I just kind of step back a little bit and basically have now started to see her come out of her shell and as, as the person she is. And we had an awesome ride back home the other night from Tahoe city. It was like 35 minutes of her just nonstop talking and talking about the future and talking about skiing and talking about now. And the, you know, she's a freshman in high school and to get her to open up like that was, that was just super, super cool. But I think sometimes, you know, the most talking we can do is, is by listening. So, uh, number eight here, it's more important to set a good example for your kid than for them to make it in sports. Of course, it's not about being this. It's not about wins and losses. It's not about being the best who's ever played. It's about being a good fucking person. That's it. And that's done not by telling people how good of a person you are or showing people like, oh, my accomplishments, this and that. Uh Uh-uh. Nobody gives a shit. 
people care how you treat them. That's it. And so understand that somebody's always watching, especially your kids. Number nine, be more most concerned with how your kids are as people. And that's the biggest thing. I don't, look, if they're major league baseball players or Olympian skiers or equestrians, great. But most importantly, it's who they are as people. That is what matters. And then lastly here, we get what we put or don't put into sports. And we often get what we want. So truth, the only thing you'll ever get out is what you put in. I, I cannot repeat this enough on the Daily Hustle. Every single fucking day, I'm telling you. You will get out what you put in. Or you won't get out what you don't put in. That choice is up to you. That choice is up to your kids. So I think all of these are great lessons that we can learn from former big leaguers and big leaguers who have had kids that have gone on to have successful lives inside and outside of sports. All right, the college football new rankings, top 25 poll, Alabama's back in the top 10. I don't know if they deserve to be there. Kentucky enters the college football rankings as well. An exciting week five of college football filled with explosive offensive performances caused some notable changes in the ranking. Alabama, which has steadily climbed since its early season setback against Texas, is back at number 10 in the coaches' poll after an easy SEC win at Mississippi State. The Crimson Tide coming at number 11 last week following a two-touchdown win against Ole Miss. They kept things rolling by beating the Bulldogs 40-17, to putting the Longhorns setback and near-disastrous performance against South Florida in the rear mirror. Bama showed a renewed focus on rushing the ball. Yeah, they ran every fucking play. That's definitely a renewed focus. Mississippi State's defense with uh, they cut them up for 43 carries, 227 yards. Sticking around the SEC West, Ole Miss was one of the poll's biggest risers. The Rebels entered Saturday ranked 20th, but climbed to 15 after a thrilling win against number 12 LSU. The two teams combined for 104 points, 1,300 yards of offense, but it was Ole Miss's defense that held on at the end for a 55-49 to triumph. Oregon State is also soaring in the polls after a huge win against shorthanded Utah, rising five spots to number 16. The coaches' poll also welcomes a trio of newcomers, including Kentucky, this week's biggest riser, the Wildcats, debuted at number 20 after a blowout against Florida. Yeah, they look good. They look really good, which dropped out of the poll. Florida, see ya. Fresno State and Louisville round out the top 25. Good on the Bulldogs of Fresno State. We're actually heading there for a couple, in a couple weekends, I should say. Uh, below is the full coaches poll for the top 25. So here we go. Georgia. So Georgia had a scare. I mean, that was a game that I thought Auburn had. And eventually, the Bulldogs prevailed. But they definitely are beatable. That's what it showed us more than anything. Number two is Michigan, three Ohio State, four Texas, five Florida State, six Penn State, seven USC, Washington, eight, Oregon, nine, Alabama, 10, Notre Dame, 11. And what a win by the Irish. Oh, geez. 
that came down to the nitty gritty, but they were five and a half point favorites at Duke. So not only did they win, they win and cover, but they were one, they were a fourth and 15 away from losing the fucking game. Uh, 12 is Oklahoma, 13 North Carolina, 14 Washington State, 15 Ole Miss, 16 Oregon State, 17 Miami, 18 Tennessee, 19 Utah, 20 Kentucky, 21 Duke. So Duke does not fall forward, nor should they have. Uh, They outplayed Notre Dame uh, definitely in that second half. Missouri, 22, LSU, 23, Fresno State, 24, and Louisville, 25. Uh, taking a look at the NFL uh, briefly, some top takeaways. So all kinds of good games going on yesterday, but I think you need to look no further than what happened in Buffalo. The Bills absolutely destroyed the Dolphins. Uh, It was a heavyweight battle. They were trading punches. And then Buffalo's defense came up with some big plays, and the Bills went on to roll. Uh, the Jaguars' defense came alive in London, so they end up getting a 23-7 to victory over the Falcons. And how about Puka Nakua? Holy shit, man. This guy's the real deal. He is a fantasy guru. I mean, he, he's been absolutely slaughtering it for the Rams, catching all sorts of balls. He finally had his first touchdown in overtime to help the Rams beat the Colts. He's been the number one waiver wire stallion for me. He's actually the only guy I think I picked up off the waiver wire. I saw Dr. PPR, by the way. And if you haven't seen that, check it out, Henry Markin. Mm. Our No Filter Network social coordinator has a show called Dr. PPR, and it is full of... Nice little nugget. So, Hank, thank you for the Puka Nakua pickup. And that happened, I think, the first week of the season after you had, he had like 15 targets. I mean, that, that's not an accident. Like, you look at the things that are sort of, say, within the Rams' control. If you're targeting a guy 15 times, it was obviously for good reason. And it was Puka Nakua taking over for Cooper Cup. The Ravens uh, rolled, ticked down the Brown DTR, former UCLA quarterback took over the helms as uh, had a little late scratch for Deshaun Watson, but the Ravens uh, are legit. And the Minnesota Vikings finally win a football game. Good on the Vikings. Uh, we'll get a little bit more into the NFL, but I, I got to, we're down to the last couple minutes here. MLB. Uh, we're, we're going into the playoffs. It happened just like that. It's, so many things going on over the weekend. And there's this article here. What, what you may have missed on the last day of the MLB regular season. The playoff picture is clear. All playoff spots were secured by the end of the day on Saturday. You can take the Mariners loss to the Rangers for that. But seating implications remained for Sunday. That was the most acute in the AL West where the crown might have gone to either Houston or Texas. But the Astros left no doubt with a romping 8-1 win over the Diamondbacks while the Rangers fell 1-0 to the Mariners. Seattle couldn't avenge its loss on Saturday. Exactly, but it could make Texas feel bad about it on Sunday. That gives the Astros the division title and the first round bye. The Rangers will instead play a wild card series against the Rays, and the Blue Jays, meanwhile, will take the last wild card berth and play the Twins. 
As for the NL, the Diamondbacks loss to the Astros gives the Marlins the number five seed, a wild card series against the Phillies, and the Diamondbacks the number six seed, a wild card series against the Brewers. Diamondbacks won here. <laughs> Look, you tell me I gotta go play Milwaukee or Philly. Milwaukee all day. So although the Diamondbacks are quote unquote limping in the postseason, having lost, I think it's like four straight. If I'm a Diamondbacks fan, I don't give a shit. I'd much rather face Milwaukee than Philly. It's going to be a tough series. Milwaukee's good. I just think the team that went to the World Series last year, the Philadelphia Phillies, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them go back again. That would be a tough matchup to get through. So the Marlins get to try to go through Philly, where the Diamondbacks are going to put their best foot forward against Milwaukee. Uh, the second thing here, Buck Showalter will not be back with the Mets. He announced that uh, yesterday. You have David Stearns, who was from Milwaukee, come over, and they're going to be parting ways. Still, obviously, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Buck land somewhere else. Uh, number three, Joey Votto's career ended with an injection. That's true. So Joey Votto yesterday, I did a, a video on this in which I proceeded to spell Votto's name wrong and i don't even funny i know how to spell Votto. it actually was a typo but it said joey Votto's final at bat with the face emoji and Votto was up in his first at bat yesterday in st louis final game potentially of his career and there was a questionable not it wasn't questionable there was an absolutely horseshit call that was this far off the inside part of the plate. Now, Votto ends up getting out. Apparently, he was saying something from the bench. He comes out to the field to take his position. They threw him out of the game. All I can say is this. Have a fucking feel. The umpires have had a really tough year. We're in the last game of the year. You know who Joey Votto is. You understand you if you don't know or understand the dynamics of what was going on, you shouldn't be umpiring Major League Baseball. There needs to be an element of respect for the game that actually would have you attuned to what was happening. And to think that you're going to go throw Joey Votto out of the game because you make this about you, and it's not like this is a rookie that may have been chirping about a missed call. This is a 17-year vet that arguably has the best strike zone other than Barry Bonds that we've seen over the past 17 fucking years. So, look. Wake up. I literally at this point think the umpires are trying to replace themselves with robots. It's going to happen. The emotions that transpire on the field that continue to fuck up the game night in and night out. It's not good. There's a quote-unquote human element to baseball. Yes, it should not be the umpires. The human element has been, always will be the players. So just really disappointed to see that and the way it did. Uh, a couple little things. One of them was a weird play. So Kyle Tucker hit a ball that gave it a triple in an air and then changed it to 
uh, an inside the park homer, then went back later and changed the triple in an air. Look, the homer's significant because it would have allowed Kyle Tucker to be a 30-30 guy. I think it would have been like the fifth or sixth guy this year, which would have set a record. Elias went back and changed it, and they took the homer away. I, I don't know where you stand on that. I, I'd have to see the play. So let, let's, as a matter of fact, I'm going to watch it right here. He hit a line drive over the right fielder's head. So he's rounding first. He's going to second. He's coming in a third. It's going to be a triple, like a stand-up triple. But the ball, interestingly enough, it looks like there was an overthrow. Yeah, I you can't give that a homer. You just can't. See, yeah, they're talking about the rule and everything else. So, anyhow, we got MLB action starting Tuesday, starting tomorrow with the, I think it's going to be Brewers and D-backs in Milwaukee. And then you have, let's see here. Yeah, Tuesday. It's D-backs in Milwaukee. It's Miami at Philly. 4.08 p.m. Pacific time on the Milwaukee game. 5.08 p.m. Pacific time on the Philly game. That's in the National League. In the American League on the same day. This is fucking awesome because it's just baseball day. You have Texas at Tampa starting at 12.08 p.m. Pacific time. So that's 9 o'clock in the morning. Oh, excuse me. No, it's not. That'd be easier. 12.08 Pacific time, 3 o'clock in the East Coast. And then 1.38 p.m. Pacific time, you have Toronto at Minnesota. So looking forward to some playoff baseball. We'll be back at it tomorrow. I got a pickleball match going on in about 30 minutes. So 4-5 game. Yeah, that's right. You get a text the other day asking to, to come play in a quote-unquote 4-5 game. You know, your pickleball abilities starting to hit new heights. Everyone have a fantastic day. See you tomorrow.